All right. Well, what a joy it is to see all of you this morning. I, uh, not going to lie, I was curious. You know, a little bit of rain tends to keep uh, us Christians away from church, even when we meet inside a building. Um, and so I was a little surprised that anybody's here when it's been raining. And uh, But maybe you're just excited about uh, the weather. Uh, maybe you love Jesus and you're excited to gather and worship him. But we're excited to be here, excited to see you. Um, and what a joy to uh, get to gather. And it really is uh, a joy for it to not be um, 85, 90 degrees right now. Uh, so one more announcement before we get into what we have uh, this morning is you're going to get an email this week um, about an event that's going to be on October 3rd. Uh, so for it's going to be just a, a men's night. So um, a couple of folks at Northbrook have a ranch in Burleson and uh, the Fagales, and so they are, have invited us out to uh, just have a men's, a men's night. It's going to be October 3rd, starting at 4 p.m., um, and so you can, if you're uh, a dude, you are welcome. If you have uh, sons, you want to bring them along, that's uh, awesome as well. So there is going to be a shooting um, and barbecue, and then some, some worship as well. And so all those go incredibly well together. Uh, and then, uh, but you'll get a link this week where you can actually register for that uh, so we can know who's going to come and who's going to uh, be able to make it. But I just wanted you to go ahead and be able to mark your calendar. Uh, it's a Saturday, I believe. That's right, October 3rd uh, at 4 p.m. So go ahead and mark your calendar for that. Uh, it's really exciting just to be able to get to do uh, these kinds of things together. And so uh, looking forward to that. So as Randy said, we're starting a series called Missio Day, which is simply Mission of God in Latin. We could have titled it Mission of God, uh, but Latin's kind of cool, so we went with that. Um, and so Missio Dei, which just simply means uh, the mission of God. And as Randy said, this is kind of coinciding with our first membership process here at Northbrook, which I keep just talking about how excited we are to be able to enter into that in the midst of uh, this coronavirus pandemic. And to be honest with you, how it just in particular affects the church. It's really exciting to, to kind of have another stabilizing opportunity for the church uh, for all of us to formally be a part of covening with one another together uh, to be on mission uh, for and with uh, this God that has saved us. And so, um, yeah, you've gotten information about that, and there's information available if you need more about that, but we're excited uh, about going through that. So that'll this, this series is going to be five weeks long, um, and then there's going to be some supplemental uh, videos and stuff that we're going to uh, put out just to, because this is not going to be all you need to know about Northbrook for membership, so a couple short videos that we'll put out um, as well to uh, help you just know all you need to know about Northbrook. And then at some point, Lord willing, one day we'll get to have a meeting in some kind of way where we uh, affirm and covenant together uh, as members of uh, this new church. And so oh, we look forward to that. And so if you were here or tuned in last week, you heard about our mission statement, which is just simply that Northbrook is a people that are striving to enjoy God, make disciples, uh, and plant churches. And so you might even right off the bat wonder, like, hey, why is the title of this series Mission of God if we're talking about the mission of Northbrook? Uh, well, quite plainly, if, if the mission of Northbrook is not the mission of God, then, then what are we doing here? Um, but, but obviously we, we want who God is and what he's done and what he is doing in the world to be the only thing uh, that we are about as a church. That, that is the reason that God has made the church is to be about uh, his mission. And so uh, you can say it in different ways. Churches can say it in different ways, but really churches all should and are supposed to be about the same thing. 
And it really is just some version of God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and so that is what we're going to be talking about uh, during our time. And so this is actually going to be a little bit of a topical series. Um, we haven't really done one of these yet. We you know, went through a passage in Colossians at the uh, launch of Northbrook, and then we went through uh, some Psalms, and then obviously we went through 1 John. And, so, uh, and then uh, this will be a little bit more of a topical series, even as we talk about enjoying God and making disciples and planting churches. But even at Northbrook, often when, we, when I go through a topical series, I still want to camp out in a book of the Bible. Um, I still want to kind of, uh, I'm not necessarily going to preach through a book of the Bible, but I want to understand what God says about these things in the context of his word. And so for these next five weeks, we will actually be uh, in, the book of the, in the book of Matthew, uh, in uh, Matthew 13, 44, actually today and next week. Um, and then uh, we'll be in Matthew 28 uh, in the following weeks. Uh, so we can sit at Jesus' feet and learn from him what he has to say about these. And just a little peek forward. So we're going to be here for five weeks. Uh, and then after that, we plan on hopping into the book of Ezra. And so raise your hand if you've ever heard a sermon series through the book of Ezra. I can't raise my hand, actually, because I have never have. You have? Where were you at? Yeah, when you heard that. Okay, that doesn't count. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, anyways, I've never heard one or preached through one, so that could be exciting. Uh, so we're going to be in Ezra, and that'll actually take us up to at the Advent season, where we plan on going through Ruth for the Advent season, which will take us to January, um, in which we will launch into Ephesians for the next year, only nine months after we planned on launching Ephesians um, originally. And so obviously all of that, like this, like in this world we're in, is subject to change, but that's just a little uh, look to where we're heading. So again, for the next two weeks, we'll be in Matthew 13, uh, just this one verse, uh, 44. Uh, you can go ahead and turn there if you're not there already. And then I will read this for us. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I'm going to read this again for us. Just kind of let it wash over us. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So as we'll be in the book of Matthew, I just wanted to set the context, context of this book a little bit. It's, it's full of, like, like all the other Gospels, of, of narrative and discourse. So basically where uh, the Gospel talks about what's happening, shares what's happening, uh, shows us what Jesus and the disciples are up to, and then it lets us sit at Jesus' feet and, and learn from him and his teachings. And so um, there's you know, kind of three famous discourses, or not three, we're, we're in the third uh, discourse of this. The first one is probably the most famous. Uh, it's the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Matthew chapters 5 through 7, where Jesus uh, preaches that famous sermon. And then in chapter 10, he talks about mission as he sends the disciples out. And then in, where we're at is this third discourse, which is known as the parabolic discourse, basically because Jesus is teaching in parables. He's just simply revealing the, the mysteries of the kingdom of God through these stories, which that's, that's just what a parable is. It's just teaching a spiritual reality through 
story. And so that's what Jesus is doing for us here. I actually love how the ESV study Bible kind of talked about some of the big ideas of Matthew. It said that Matthew's gospel provides Christians encouragement to stand steadfast amid opposition, secure in the knowledge of their citizenship and God's kingdom. It also said Matthew establishes the identity of Christ's church as the true people of God who now find their unity in service to Jesus despite previous racial, class, and religious barriers. So, so Matthew wants us to be secure in our citizenship as citizens in this kingdom of heaven. And he wants us to experience a unity in the midst of this kingdom of heaven that can be found nowhere else. That's what Matthew is after. He's, he's all about the kingdom. If, if you want to know about the kingdom of God, go to Matthew. He uses, he uses that phrase uh, around 55 times in his gospel, more than anywhere else uh, in the New Testament. And, and just the kingdom of God or God's kingdom or the kingdom of heaven is, is mentioned here uh, in our passage is just a phrase that we hear of often. Phrase maybe we've said, we've heard other people say, but, but I'm kind of curious, what do you think when you hear kingdom of heaven? What, what do you think, our passage is talking to us about what the kingdom of heaven is like, what, what do you think the kingdom of heaven is like? This is kind of rhetorical, I know I ask real questions, but I'm just letting you think about this for uh, a moment. When you hear the kingdom of heaven, what do you, what do you picture, what do you think it's like? Um, and, and I'm really talking about not just the kingdom of heaven that we'll experience one day in its fullness, but, but the kingdom of heaven that we experience right now. Like on this earth, in this life, what is that for you? Um, uh, one uh, author, he's kind of a cultural critic, he, he has this phrase speaking of culture, um, and he talks about how often we're, we're in the midst of kingdoms without a king. I, I actually even think the culture in North Fort Worth where we live, is, it's a good depiction of that. It's a, it's a kingdom set up to serve and cater, but it's, it's without a king just in and of itself. It's a place where we can really meet almost any of our need or desires at a whim. Uh, a place where it's not lacking for opportunities. There's actually an abundance of opportunities. We actually might have stress and anxiety in our life because of all of the opportunities we have. We don't know where to eat because we have so many options to eat. We're not sure what to involve our kids in because there's so many options for our kids. We might be, we have uh, like just that fear of missing out is one of the biggest things that's kind of come in our day because there's so many options uh, in our day. This is, is a kingdom, uh, but it's a, it's a kingdom without a king. Sometimes we equate the kingdom of God with uh, being able to uh, have all of those opportunities, having our needs met uh, in that kind of way, or being provided for uh, perfectly, our family being provided for. Sometimes we might associate the kingdom of God with that. We also might associate the kingdom of God with in terms of political power. That's what a lot of people did in Jesus' actual day. They thought he was about to establish the literal kingdom in his day politically and overthrow uh, the oppressive government of their time. Uh, that's not unlike how many of us equate the kingdom of God. Sometimes I even think about uh, in the um, you know, recent decades as like the major moral majority or the religious right or how uh, people uh, have started that movement uh, considering and thinking and desiring for the kingdom of God to be ushered in uh, through uh, politicians voting and passing laws that Christians 
care about. Maybe that's how you associate the kingdom of God. We can also think of the kingdom of God along the lines of social justice, just simply societal wrongs being made right, injustice being remedied. Uh, We might equate that completely with the kingdom of God. And then sometimes we we can think about the kingdom of God as just simply a kingdom of morality. Um, And and as I think about it, as I'm going to press against it, sometimes we think about it as a morality that that really is actually detached from the scriptures. Um, We think about, oh, the kingdom of God's presence when people are living by this certain kind of uh, morality and doing these certain kind of things. Since we're Baptist, if you don't know that, you'll learn that in membership. If you go through that, we're Baptist. Um, And so I'll pick on Baptist just for a minute. Like to, to, to believe that the kingdom of God is ushered in in any way or being taken part of in some deep way by not dancing or drinking, well, you've just divorced yourself from the scriptures in any kind of clear I, I can't find that verse. Now, I, I think we all have great freedom to not dance or not drink, uh, but that, that that morality is ushering in the kingdom of God in any way. I, I love to exercise my freedom to not dance. Um, Ginger probably wishes I would not exercise that as much, uh, and dance with her a little bit more often. Uh, but we have freedom to do these kinds of things, but, but often, and, and to be honest with you, everything I just mentioned here, uh, social justice, political, moral, uh, provision, all of those things, to be honest with you, are aspects of God's kingdom and present in God's kingdom in some way. But so often what the church does, so often what we do is we pick our little hobby horse and we kind of equate it with the kingdom of God and saying, this is the kingdom of God. And then in so doing that, we get an altogether different thing. We, we get a kingdom of our own making, uh, a, a much more superficial and shallow kingdom, uh, one that is not like a treasure hidden in a field, that we would go and sell all that we have out of our joy uh, to be a part of, but, but one that is crafted in some image Uh, that we have created. And and you can insert anything you tend to place most value on, um, and and maybe it's not one of those. But what I would hope for is that as we dwell upon God's word, as we dwell upon the reality of what it looks like to enjoy God, that, that we would let the word of God clarify and leave us in awe of this kingdom and its king. And so we're actually just this week going to focus on the first 11 words of this verse, just considering the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And so three points from just these 11 words. One, the kingdom of heaven is hidden that it might be revealed. We'll also see, second point, that the kingdom of heaven is to be enjoyed, just quite plainly. And then finally, we'll end by seeing that this kingdom of heaven has a king. And so the kingdom of heaven is hidden that it might be revealed. Again, in this parable, we see the kingdom of heaven literally hidden um, as, as this treasure that has been found and seemingly by, found by some fortunate, unsuspecting person. Um, but in the, in the next parable that goes along with this one, we see this pearl, this priceless pearl that, that is equated to the kingdom of heaven that is found by someone that has been searching their whole life. So this kingdom of heaven can be found by someone that wasn't looking for it all, or it can be found by someone that's been seeking their whole life and it's finally revealed to them. Uh, But either way, there's this hiddenness, this mystery to the kingdom of heaven. And as we look at the wider context and really the other parables Jesus is sharing, we see that this kingdom of heaven is hidden, that it might be revealed. If you look in Matthew 13, just up a little bit, in verses 13 through 17, This is Jesus 
His disciples are like, hey, why, why don't you just, why are you speaking in parables? Why is this happening? Can't you just tell us what's going on? And Jesus says, this is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, this is from Isaiah 6, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Verse 16, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Again, some discover seemingly by accident, stumbling over it in a field. Others spend their whole life searching and finally find it. But we can know this by what Jesus is saying. In finding it, we find the very reason Jesus created us. We, we find the very thing we were meant to find joy in and experience in this life when we stumble upon and we find this kingdom of heaven. And he is, again, hidden it that it might be revealed. Um, are you... Are you this? Are you in uh, verse 15? Those that aren't seeing and aren't hearing, but he's desiring you, he's beckoning you, he's calling you to turn that he might heal you. I would, I would encourage you to answer that call. Um, and then we see the kingdom of heaven is just simply to be enjoyed. That's kind of the, the nature of this parable. Uh, there, there's kind of a, a, some natures to the kingdom of heaven, one that it's hidden and one that's just quite plainly to be enjoyed. Uh, I guess before we go any further, it might be helpful to define the kingdom. The kingdom of God is just simply where Jesus reigns and his people reflect his image to each other uh, and the world. The kingdom of God is where Jesus reigns and his people reflect his image to each other and the world. And so that's where, that's where the kingdom of God is present. And there is a difference. God is sovereign over all things. There's no, there's no aspect of his creation that he's not sovereign over, that he isn't holding together right now, as Colossians 1 tells us. But the, but the kingdom of God is, is different than his providence or his sovereignty. The kingdom of God is where he's dwelling with his people, ruling and reigning where he's worshiped as king, and his people are imaging this king to each other and to the world. There is a difference uh, between those things. And, but the comparison we see in this verse to this kingdom of heaven is like finding a treasure. I really think the, the best modern equivalent would be like winning the lottery. That's what like this, this person finds a treasure and he's completely satisfied with this treasure that he sells all that he has and this treasure is going to give him everything that he could ever hope for. And just imagine that. It's okay. Just imagine that you just won a million dollars. Like there's just an objective happiness that's going to happen in that moment. I think, I don't, I've never met anybody different unless someone's just trying to be super spiritual. But even this passage is saying, no, there's actually just a reality to finding a hidden treasure that is just incredibly awesome. I, I, so I am going to ask a question real quick. Kids, if you won a million dollars, that was such a good timing by Merrick there. He's excited. He won a million dollars. Yes. Uh, what, what would you do with a million dollars? What would be one of the things you'd buy if you had... A million dollars. Just one a million dollars. Go ahead. Lego sets. Man, I would get me some Lego sets if I won a million dollars too. 
And you could spend all that million dollars on Lego sets pretty easy. Uh, yep. A Tesla. All right. There we go. Just preparing for the, the future. You're, you're nine? Are you nine? Yep. You, it'll be ready for you when you get it. And so that's awesome. Tesla. Yeah. What do you say? Donate some and buy Legos. Okay. Go ahead. A mansion? Okay, awesome. I figured a, a, a mansion would work in there. That was what I wanted when I was a kid. So, yeah, I mean, again, when we think about a million dollars, and when you see that sign, you're driving on a road trip, and you see Powerball or whatever, and you just kind of, you know, uh, get lost in your imagination, what would I do with that? And you do all kinds of good things with it, of course, like my son donating. Way to go. But you do all those good things. But then, you know, let's be, let's be honest. And you get really excited about the freedom that would bring. You get really excited about some of the desires that that would meet. And, and here's the thing about the kingdom of God. It acknowledges our desires. Like God acknowledges that he's given us an abundance of desires. An abundance of desires that is met and fulfilled in finding uh, this treasure. And obviously our desires get off in all kinds of ways. That, that sin has affected our desires and... Man, the dysfunction that can come from them is just um, dramatic. But, but here's the other aspect of that, that God has created these desires and he acknowledges them and he, desi he desires to fulfill them in the kingdom of heaven. So it's not that we need to suppress our desires, it's that we need to arrange and order our desires and be about uh, what God is about. Um, Again, the, the reality here is that we see that there is an abundance in this kingdom of heaven, that, that um, there is more than is needed. That's, what, that's the idea behind a treasure. There, there is joy, and his joy he goes and sells all that he has. There's, again, an acknowledgement of our desires and, and uh, a treasure that meets us uh, in those desires. But even as we think about that, and Randy mentioned a little of this in the call to worship, by thinking about the kingdom of heaven, and our desires being fulfilled, and finding great joy, how in the world does that stuff apply in 2020? I don't know if y'all have been awake for the last however many months, uh, but 2020 has had a good bit. It's had a good bit for uh, us. It's had a good bit for uh, the church. It's had a good bit for Northbrook Church. It's had a good bit for many families that on top of everything, there's also just the personal suffering and struggle that just comes in life. And so what does it look like to enjoy the kingdom of God, even in the midst of something like 2020? The reality is the kingdom of God goes on regardless of the rising and falling of nations, regardless of the coming and going of pandemics, uh, even in the throes of racial tension and injustice, even in an election year, the kingdom of God is still what is most stable and so I think one of the things we must remember about this kingdom is that it is a kingdom that is established to make everything right after sin has made everything wrong. It's kind of this, um, you could look at it a couple of different ways, but it's like this upside down kingdom. Everything that the, 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 the world would say is right side up, the kingdom of God would say is upside down. Uh, and then it's, it's come to, to make it right. It's come to align the world with who God is and what he's doing. But what happens with major cultural events, often for us, 
It's an opportunity to press into, to Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's an opportunity for that. But often we get, we get more consumed with whatever we thought before these cultural crises. We just kind of get continually confirmed in those thoughts. Uh, whatever, whatever our political persuasion was before uh, racial tension and the coronavirus pandemic, you know, if we love Trump, we probably love him all the more. If we hated Trump, we hate him all the more. Well, often whatever these persuasions, these, like, like it tends to just confirm. Someone was talking about the, the, the coronavirus and I heard him say that it should be this, the, the confirmation virus. Like whatever, whatever views you had, the coronavirus came in to confirm all of those views. Um, and, and we get caught up in that. And obviously we should come to conclusions. We should think rationally. We should try to understand and consider. But so often we spend most of our time doing that and not thinking, man, what does it look like for the, the reign of Jesus the King uh, to be what I'm most about, what I'm most excited about pointing myself and others to in the midst of all that's going on uh, in 2020? Simply, what does the kingdom of heaven uh, look like in the midst of the coronavirus. Just a few things as we think about imaging this, this king and this creator. I think it's being more concerned with being Christ-like than being right. Again, we, we have conclusions. Sometimes we're undecided, but often we come to some kind of conclusion. But are we, do we let that rightness, we, do we let that conclusion overshadow the reality of imaging Christ? <clears throat> I think being a stabilizing presence in the midst of all the yelling and screaming that's going on. I heard this description of a pastor, that a pastor is someone who should come into a traumatic situation and, and bring an element of peace. And that just should be the reality of Christians. Uh, that, again, Colossians 3, that we let the peace of Christ rule in our heart to which in we, indeed we are called and one body. Uh, that, that we bring a stabilizing presence in the midst of all the yelling and screaming that our culture is caught up in. And, and often we can bring a stabilizing presence to the people we agree with. So the side that where, we, where we've come to some kind of conclusion about one thing or another, often that's the very place where we can bring that kind of stability. Um, as opposed to trying to bring that stability with someone we disagree with, that doesn't always go as well. Um, you know what? Being an encouragement on social media that's what the kingdom of God looks like. I mean, it's fine to talk about stuff on social media, but man, what if we just went there to bless people? And I'm not great at social media, so don't hold me to this. I just don't do anything, so I've got that going for me. But, um, but if you are active on social media, what, what if you just went there to encourage? What if you went there to bless? What if you went there to try to, uh, again, image Christ uh, in that way? And then I think one of the things that, uh, again, as we think about what the Bible says, what it doesn't say, and we think about being about seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, it brings, you know, it should bring a humility to even the conclusions that we have fallen on, uh, especially in regards to stuff like, I mean, there's, we actually do have one epidemiologist at our church, but outside of that person, none of us are experts at this, at what's going on. And again, we read and we should read and we should try to understand and figure out, but there should be a humility to those, those conclusions that we make, especially when it's not in, in our field of uh, study or work or where we spent our life. And obviously, you, you mean in that, experts that it is their field disagree on that. So it's not like a perfect scenario, but there should be some humility to the conclusions uh, that, that we make. 
Um, so those are just in, in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Those are some of the ways that it can look like. But then again, just picking the two kind of big issues of our time and considering enjoying the kingdom of God in the midst of them. What does it look like in the midst of all the racial tension, the racial injustice that we can see going on in the midst of the world? Let me just say some things it doesn't look like, and I'll repeat myself here because I think we need it. Uh, some markers of the kingdom of this world. It, it looks like yelling at each other on social media. That, that is definitely something that's outside the kingdom of God. Is that rain? Or is that? No? Good. I didn't mean to freak anybody out. I just thought I heard something. I'm good. Don't worry. Uh, it, lo- it looks like this is what it w- would look like to be of the kingdom of this world. It looks like yelling at each other on social media. It looks like shaming our brothers and sisters that disagree. Um, it looks like uh, shaming people that are still trying to figure out what's going on in the midst of this and how to navigate it, uh, but they haven't come to a conclusion fast enough, so we just add shame uh, to that. We rush them along saying that they haven't figured out. It's, it's maybe even overlooking the hurt of minorities that are made in the image of God and saying, you shouldn't be hurt. Or maybe you're hurt, but just focus on the gospel and you'll be okay. Just there, There's this... Uh, truncated, oversimplistic view of the gospel. I think about an example. I think about how my wife, so she lost her dad when she was four years old. And um, that was obviously a traumatic experience then. But even as an adult, that's an experience that she continues to come to grips with. It continues to affect her. And she continues to realize the way that that uh, affects her life and the way that she needs God and the comfort that God has for her and all of that. And, and in that hurt and in that suffering, which one of us would say, hey, Ginger, you just need to believe the gospel. You're just not believing the gospel. Now, hopefully all of us would want the comfort of the gospel for her in that. But man, there's this way that we talk about uh, this race issue uh, when we lean on the gospel in a way that just looks over people and looks over the reality of this God that has come to dwell with, be with, and acknowledge the fallenness and the hurt and the suffering that we experience. And so I think we just need to consider people in that. That's what the kingdom of the world looks like. It looks like overlooking that hurt. Um, And it's not always that the world does this. It overlooks that hurt to make some political agenda. It overlooks that hurt to continue to stay in whatever bias they're feeling. I don't think we're necessarily doing that. We're wanting to honor God and and follow him and image him. But I think we can get caught up um, and and overlook uh, the comfort that God has uh, for people. Um, again, even if you disagree with the scope of racial injustice in America, what I think we should have freedom to disagree about how that ex- exactly works out, we're called to be kind and image this God to one another, even in the midst of that disagreement. And if you find it easy to be unkind on either side, wherever you fall down there, if you find it easy to be unkind, it's probably because you're dealing more with ideas than you are with actual people. Um, that you, you have to talk and care about people uh, that we disagree with. Just the idea of this cancel culture, that again, that's the, the kingdom of this world, is that we cancel one another that disagree with us. And that's just not an option in the kingdom of heaven. It's just not. Um, it shouldn't be, at least. Uh, we're not living out of the kingdom of heaven when we make that an option for ourselves to cancel one another. So it is literally raining, right? We've figured that out now. Why is no one talking to me? No? As you're under trees, like I'm getting dropped. It's good though. We're good. Yes. Okay. Sorry. It's like there's water right here. How are y'all uncertain about it? But I guess the tree is super helpful. Uh, But it's just sprinkling. We'll we'll move along here quickly. It'll it'll be great. Don't worry. Um, 
So here is what the kingdom of heaven looks like in all of this. It looks like Christians coming together to clean up after cities experiencing a night of rioting. Uh, Beautiful stories I've heard of that. It looks like Christians staying in hard places, offering help and the hope that comes uh, with Christ, encouraging stories of the kingdom of God being uh, lived out in that way. It looks like Christians from different ethnicities coming together and praying together. It looks like a willingness to consider that other people's experiences might be different uh, than ours and have been different than ours. It looks like asking questions and listening as opposed to just trying to get our opinions across. It looks like being more consumed with Jesus than any ideology this world has to offer. We're not trying to conform people to a liberal ideology. We're not trying to conform people to a conservative ideology. We're trying to conform people to the image of this king, the king of this kingdom. That's what it looks like being um, caught up in that agenda. And so the kingdom of heaven is like finding a treasure, treasure, even in 2020. But the main reason it's like finding a treasure, it's not because you and I respond to everything perfectly. That's not why it's like a treasure. There's one main reason the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, and that is because the kingdom of heaven has a king. You know, any kingdom, any earthly kingdom, by its king, its leaders, uh, especially in a a monarchy, the kingdoms are known uh, by their king. I was listening to this uh, theologian lecture on something completely different, and he said the thing about democracy uh, that's unfortunate is that we get the governments we actually deserve. Um, And... uh, there's a joke. Maybe you'll get in that at some point. But, um, uh, but he said the thing about a monarchy is that we might do worse off, but then we actually might get better than we deserve uh, as well. And so I, it begs the question of, in the kingdom of heaven, obviously there's this king. What is this king like? Uh, what is the king of the kingdom of heaven like? And then Matthew obviously has shown us this king all throughout his book. We see that this king arrives in humility. That Jesus didn't arrive on a cloud for the world to see, but was born into utter obscurity. This king experiences the trials of his people. Jesus didn't stay aloof, afraid to suffer, but drew near to relate to his brothers. This king speaks the truth to his people. As you think about the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus didn't cower to the doctrine of the day, but he put God's truth on full display. This king actually heals the sick. Jesus, as he walks this earth, he gives us a foretaste of eternity with a look, with a touch, restoring health and dignity. The king goes, on, goes to those on the margins. He speaks of someone beat up on the side of the road and left for dead, or a Samaritan woman coming to the well, hanging her head. And one thing I love about this Jesus, this king, he is no respecter of persons. He does not bow to the rich and shun the poor or value one ethnicity less and another one more. This king has defeated every enemy through his death on a tree. And this is no ordinary king, not like the dead kings throughout history, because no grave could hold him. And so now he stands in victory, and this king is now ruling on his throne, a throne that is currently unseen, But one day, but one day, every person that has ever been born will bow their knee. Revelations 5, 
Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Because Jesus is enthroned in glory, we, we should rightly enjoy this king. This is the king of this kingdom that we get to image, that we get to bow down and worship, that we get to enjoy, that we get to uh, image to one another in the world in the midst of all that's going on. The only reason we get to enjoy this kingdom is because we have this kind of king. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll worship this king. Let's pray. Jesus, from your throne, would you send your spirit now and just wake us up. Wake us up as your church. We're often just so lulled to sleep and we need your spirit to come and breathe upon our bones, to breathe life, to save, to open blind eyes, to equip us, to heal the sick, to send us, keep us gathered around you, our good king. There's so many things that distract us and there's so many other things that we want to be gathered around that are so much less than you, the only one worthy of all of this praise. Would you just keep us from setting settling for these foolish little kingdoms of our own making. Do this in your church. Not just Northbrook Church, although I beg and plead for you to do it here, but your church near and far, would you wake us up? We need you. We, we plead with you. We ask you to do this in your church. That, that your kingdom come, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.